Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Thanks to Inside Golf. Well, welcome to Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. InsideGolf.com.au, Australia's most read golf magazine. With me in this studio is Larry Canning. G'day, Larry. G'day, Stevie. Hello, listeners. How are we all today? Well, I'm well. How are you? I'm very fine, yeah. Excellent. And I'm sure the listeners will be too. We've got plenty coming up as usual today. Uh, we're going to talk with Peter Senior. What about Peter Senior? He's an amazing player. What sort of record is that? It's an extraordinary record, well, Steve. He's won in every decade since the 1970s. Five decades. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Gary Player used to, I always used to say Gary Player had the record for that, but I reckon Peter Senior's got it over him. Over that many decades, that's extraordinary. Well, we'll find out. We might even talk to the man himself about that one. Peter Senior coming into another season of Australian golf and looking good once again this year. We'll catch up with... Peter in backspin today. What else are we doing, Larry? We're going to uh, choose very soon. We're going to choose our our worst golf shot. We, uh, of Mm. course, as people may or may not know, are giving away a a dozen Volvic golf balls uh, via our Facebook page, which is called... The Facebook page. Of Backspin. Of Backspin. Backspin, Facebook page. If you just go to Facebook and type in Backspin, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll come up. But like a missile. It'll see, get we, had, we had some good en- entries, some people hitting some pretty bad shots out there <laughs> in the world of golf. <laughs> but we've chosen one, and we're going to give uh, that person uh, a set of uh, 12 Volvic golf balls. What colour are they? I can, I've got all different colours, Steve. Okay. I, uh, yeah, I might just... Um, I don't know how I'll pick the colour. Yeah, and we're going to give another dozen away as well. We'll tell you how very soon in the show. Um, now, our good mate uh, Richard Fellner is along with his new segment. Richard Fellner, of course, is the editor of Inside Golf magazine, and he's got a brand new segment in Backspin called Talking Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> no, he hasn't really, but he's talking about um, some brand new shoes from Under Armour today. Yeah, they, they, they look fantastic, don't they? Yeah. And, and they, we need to take a, be- a better look at golf shoes, too. They are a serious part of your armoury, yeah. your golfing armoury. Under Armour Speed 2 Golf Shoes, that's what Richard Fellner's talking about today. He's, he's also doing some fan, something fantastic for Movember, mm. and Richard will tell us more about what Movember's all about and what he's doing over a one-day period. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Well, yeah. he's talking it up, so hopefully it will be equally as impressive as the, uh, the talk he's put forward about <laughs> it, but we'll find out more from Richard Fellner. In Backspin today, have you got a tip for us? I've got a tip, Steve. It's about um, using your feet. And it's a segue from, obviously, Richard's appraisal of the Under Armour golf shoe, the Spieth. Very difficult to say that without spitting, isn't it? Spieth. Um, It's a new golf shoe that that Richard's talking about, which plants your feet firmly on the ground. I'm going to talk about how you should properly... Use your feet. Footwork in golf swing is very important. And you're going to have a spit too, as per usual. Well, you just did. I'm just toweling myself off after you said speeth, but you're going to have a spit about amateurs winning golf tournaments. Well, it's not so much a spit. It's a bit weird for me. I don't quite understand how an amateur winning a golf tournament is important as a professional in terms of they're not playing for money. They're playing for a cup, Steve. Yeah, right. There was a tournament won recently in Western Australia. Two amateurs fought out the... Well, three prof- three golfers thought out, the- and Matt Miller was one of them. He's a professional. Keep he- yourself calm and tell us more later in it's backspin just a bit today. Of weird. It's just a point of weirdness. Stay calm for the moment. We'll Don't talk quite about it. Get it later on. Let's move on to what's coming up over summer because gee, it's going to be a great summer of golf in Australia, and it's it's about to kick off big time, isn't it? Yes, it is, Steve. New South Wales Open is the f- is the first big tier one event of the year, followed by the Australian Open, the, the, of course, the World Cup we've been talking about, and the Australian PGA in Queensland. 
Where's the New South Wales Open at? Where does it rank these days? Is well, it it's, coming it, back? It's back. Oh, absolutely, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, as I said, it's a Tier 1 event, so it's comparable to the Australian Open, Australian PGA, um, and the Victorian Open and the Perth event. They're, they're all a Tier 1 events. So we've gone from, at, at our lowest, we got down to about two or three. We've now got to five. So we're back. We're looking good. The game of golf in Australia, professionally-wise, professional wise, is looking great. So why is that, do you think? Uh, why is it getting better? Yeah, why? I think people are. I think we've 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 bottomed out with the golf not being as popular. We've worked out ways. Uh, I mean, we've all been. You know, some of us in the media have tried, and, and Golf Australia, the PGA of Australia, working out ways to make the game more popular, condensing the form of how you play it, uh, make it more attractive on TV, um, better commentary, better better TV directing. Uh, and overall, the package is a little more exciting than it used to be, Steve. And we're getting some good players in Australia coming out of Australia, which always helps. The young, the young players in the Aussie, the, the young Australians playing the tour overseas at the moment are exceptional. And then you throw in events uh, like the World Cup of Golf coming yes, along. Yes, well. and of course we've got the Presidents Cup next year, Steve. So momentum is uh, is it's seriously, um, it's seriously what is it seriously doing, Andrew? Seriously moving. Well, don't ask Buncey. He's pressing the buttons. Don't put the pressure. We, we don't want Buncey answering questions as part of the program, Larry. But, but sometimes we you want can just Andrew, give a little signal. No, we want Andrew pressing the buttons and laughing like your grandmother watching Are You Being Served. Have a little giggle, Andy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's how it's done. No, definitely momentum. We have momentum, Steve. And the jewel in the crown, obviously, is the Australian Open, isn't it? Yes. I mean, they do it so well, that event. Yes, yes. You don't agree? I, yeah, yeah. I def- yeah, yeah. Well, the there is going up like. <laughs> but, yeah, the Australian PGA is fairly serious event too, mate. Yeah, that, that tournament in Perth, the Victorian Open, yes, it, it's it's hard to pick a. I mean, the Australian Open is the most is the the jewel in the crown. I guess. As I describe. Yeah, I know, but I don't. Yeah, okay. Yep. Let, let, let's. I'll say yeah. I'll say yeah with my voice going up. Isn't it fair to say that that is yeah. one of the major drivers of the the renaissance of the game, oh, and God, and therefore these other. These other tournaments gaining in popularity isn't that the one that's driven a lot of this? Why are you saying that, mate? Why are you? Well, I don't know. Pushing this point on me because I'd like some free tickets. I want to get into a marquee. <laughs> you want no? <laughs> Seriously, isn't that the, the the success of that event in in recent years has been fantastic to watch? And isn't that going to be something that helps then drive the success of every other tournament in the country? Yes. Yeah. There you go again. <laughs> You disagree. Feel free to disagree with me. You don't have to well, agree I, with I me. Well, I don't want to say it's not, but I, but I, I sense that there are tournaments are catching up with it. Let's put it that way. Other events are definitely gaining ground in the Australian Open as the premier event in the country. The jewel in the crown, or so the, the jewel tri- in the crown, as you keep saying. Well, you're agreeing with me. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, this event. This, can, you, can you stop doing that? Can you start spitting again? Start. Stop whining and start st- saying speeth again, if you wouldn't mind. Okay, speethy. All right. It's it's the jewel in the crown. Everyone else is playing catch-up because it's a competitive industry and it's great to see. Well, last word. All right. <laughs> Go on, have your last word. No, no, you, you've got it. You've taken it. Seriously. Just don't talk to me for a little while. Um, now, what else was I going to talk about, Larry? No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so you don't want to talk about the Australian Open no, at all well, at not, the moment? No, the jewel in the crown, if I hear that one more time, I'm going <laughs> to... Bloody hit you with something, Steve. What? All right, let's talk about Chubbs the alligator. Let me uh, segue into that. Have you seen Chubbs? I have. He's a bloody have you dinosaur, seen Chubbs, isn't it? Chubbs on a golf course? He's a pterodactyl. Yeah. Back in the day. No, they, they fly, don't they, pterodactyl? Pterodactyls fly. Chubb can't fly. He can barely walk. Chubb. <laughs> Chubbs is the biggest. It is the biggest alligator I have ever seen. It is huge. Now, 
We're going to get some video of Chubbs onto our Backspin yep. Facebook page. Chubbs is um, over at Buffalo Creek Golf Club in Florida. And apparently they do everything they can over there to look after Chubbs because it's like, well, you know, Chubbs leaves us alone, we'll leave him alone. Don't disturb him. Just if he wants to walk across the, the course, <laughs> it looks like a dead set, looks like an A380 with legs. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Walking across the golf course. Brontosaurus Rex. Chubbs the alligator. Wally Gator's the only other alligator he's I know a, He's a massive famous. unit. He's eaten some people. Yeah. I reckon there's a couple of golfers inside Chubbs. Yeah. No, uh, he's the jewel in the crown of alligators <laughs> in, in Florida is, um, is Chubbs. So, listen, if you haven't seen him, we are going to uh, get that footage of Chubbs the alligator walking across one of the fairways at Buffalo Creek Golf Club in Florida for you to check out. Larry, let's move on. All right. Please. Uh, have you calmed down? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Let's see if you can do this without that whingy, whiny voice of yours. Um, let's choose the worst golf shot. Now, we've got to give a few honourable mentions. Uh, Gary Sanderson. Can I mention Gary? Yeah, definitely mention Gary. He was playing in the, the foursomes championships uh, at Bayview. I don't know when. Um, over 36 holes, and they, they led uh, by four after the first round. Mm -hmm. A, they led the A, uh, A grade, I think. A reserve. A reserve yep. after the first round. And then the second round, it all um, turned very, very, very ugly. All in the all, all in one hole, Steve. And when it's a foursomes event, which means when your partner, well, well you've got a partner that's going to suffer from your bad shot. So it's almost double, isn't it? The, the points for uh, for hitting a bad shot, but they both hit terrible shots anyway. So kind of evened out by the time they got off the green. That hit ten shots, was yeah. it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sixteen. 16, oh, 16 shots <laughs> 16. on the fifth hole at, at Bayview. I think I know this hole. We do know the yeah, hole. It's, it's a, it's, it can happen there. Yeah, definitely. par five dog leg left, and it all went badly for Gary Sanderson and his partner. Honourable mention to you, Gary. Uh, you haven't picked up the biscuits this time, though. Who else have we got? What about, um, uh, let me see, Peter Katsoulis up at Tari. You've played yes. this, this course. Yes, I have played Tari, and the hole he hit the ball out of bounds on which ran under a car. I'm trying to find it on my little thing over here, Steve. Um, I know the hole, it's very tight, and um, here it is. Yeah, the, the fourth tee in, at Tari. He was playing a skins, that skins round one day. It is um, his normal slice, which ran under a car and then bobbled under the car while the car was driving down the road. I think it finished up down near the green, but still out of bounds, unfortunately, for Pete, so he couldn't recover it. But, yeah, I've done that. I've, I've landed one in the back of a garbage truck once at Barnwell Park in Sydney. Bang. One bounce straight in the back of a garbage truck, which is exactly where it belonged. <laughs> and you didn't get it back. I did not get that no, one back, no. It was gone for good. Um, also, also should mention Michael Peck. Well, it wasn't Michael Peck who played the shot. It was his mate, Cody Gam. And, uh, sorry, Cody, but the one-hand, one-bounce rule doesn't apply in golf. That's backyard <laughs> cricket, mate. We got video of Cody playing the one hand one bounce rule because he hit his shot. It bounced off a tree, bounced once off the tree, and then he he picked it up. The tree was about fifteen meters from the tee. Um, and I should also mention Tim uh, Retano. How to say this one? No, mate. He was playing at Highlands Golf Club in Mittagong and um, hit the ball. Hit the best shot I'd hit all play. It's about bad shots, Tim. Unfortunately, Tim's best shot of the day. Came down, uh, landed on one of the ducks resting on the green, ricocheted into the water just in front of Which the green. Which are protected, Tim. I think you need to look into that. Don't uh, Aim away from the ducks, please, mate. I think they're a native uh, of Australia, aren't they, Stevie? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think you, you can get in big trouble if you hit a duck with a golf ball. Anyhow, our winner, Larry. Drum roll for our winner. You go, Steve. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you waiting for me to announce it? Well, we've done well with this one. <laughs> 
No, you weren't answered, mate. Congratulations to our winner. This was about the worst shot, and that's got to go to Matthew Baldwin. You love this, didn't you? Oh, I've seen this happen so many times, Stevie. Uh, Matthew Baldwin hitting the green from the tee. Uh, the green was about 15 metres behind me, turning off, managed to hit the ball almost 90 degrees between my legs. This isn't as hard to do as you think. I've seen this happen before. In fact, I, I, at Everglades Golf Club is where I started playing, Steve. There's a famous story there. I wasn't there. But a, a gentleman hit off, his, hit off the first tee there, and the 18th green is right behind him, just in, exactly like Matthew is saying here. Uh, he hit it between his legs. It rolled up onto the green, into the hole on the 18th green, so he had the course record of one. <laughs> for the for the for Everglades Country Club. So yes, Matthew, I've seen this happen before. It is embarrassing, and when it involves a green, that means you've got to go and get it and then take a drop. And it's one of those shots where you're better off actually missing it, isn't it? An air swing can sometimes be the safest play. Gee, that's a big call. An air swing can sometimes be the safest play. Put that one down in Larry's tip book. Uh, Honourable <laughs> mentions as well to Heath Pope and Graham Selms for their input. We're not going to mention what they say, uh, but uh, thanks, boys. Thanks for what happened to. No, like like I said in the in the, in the page, what happened to. Caddy golfer confidentiality, Stephen. What's happened to that? I don't know. It's a new era, isn't it? Popey and Selmsy, two of Larry's mates, and gee. Well, Popey caddy for me once when I had a complete air swing. I had a, there was a tree involved at my defend my defence, but yeah, I'm really disappointed that the two boys have both mentioned things that should have been caddy player and left at that. Yeah, you should be ashamed of you yourself. Should be ashamed fellas. of both of yourselves. Airing and, and, that sort and of. That's the last time you can caddy for me for nothing, both a- of you. Airing that sort of dirt in public. If you want to know what we're talking about, just go to the Backspin page on Facebook. We've got a dozen Volvic golf balls heading Matthew Baldwin's way, but we've got another dozen to give away. Mm. Now, um, what are we going to ask this time? What's it about? I've completely forgotten, Steve. What did we discuss? Gee, there's nothing like good preparation, Larry. And, and today, what you've done is nothing like uh, good preparation. <laughs> what uh, have, have you ever been in the gallery at a tournament oh, and done something that um, has given uh, a player... Um, the irrits. The irrits, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. I have hate you, that term. I've done it. Oh, yeah. You've done Have you done it, Steve? Oh, not really. I was up there with you one day, it wasn't, uh, and we were yelling at Pricey because we'd had a couple of beers, yeah, Terry yeah. Price, on the party hole. But, um, but he, he didn't get the shits. Yeah, he didn't even notice us. Nah. Anyhow. But yeah, have you done something? Have you clicked the camera? Have you, has your phone gone off? Have you been screamed at by uh, golf pros are, are usually very they act gentlemanly like that they Stephen most of the time but occasionally when the heat is really on and you upset them in the middle of their swing they do take unkindly to it don't they there was a famous incident where was it the first time John Daly played in Australia it was one of the first yeah, yeah. and he, what, he grabbed someone's camera or something I yeah. can't remember the full story it but- was Royal Sydney in the Australian Open I think it was the par 5 16th I think I'm guessing uh, yes, and he got he he was he hadn't hit a fairway the entire day. He was a lot over par. He went into plays. He, he, he shot from out, out under the trees, and the camera went off, and he spun around. And the guy was too close. He thought, grabbed the camera, threw it against the tree, and busted it. All right. Have you ever done anything to make a player cranky when you've been at the yep. tournament? Just you think you're minding your own business. You're actually not. You know, you're on the phone to your mum or something like mm-hmm. that while he's six under par and teeing off for falling over. Is a, I've done that too. <laughs> Yeah, that's not good. Slid on my backside. When you're playing or when you're in the, uh, in the gallery. Hale was hitting a, a shot in uh, Royal Melbourne and it was about the second last hole and I slipped over and tumbled down this hill on my ass while he was trying to pass. <laughs> you got anything that can beat that? Because if you haven't, Larry's going to win those Volvic golf balls. If you've got a story, <laughs> with a dozen go, balls. go to our Backspin Facebook page and tell us about it and you could pick up those dozen golf balls from Volvic. This is Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. We'll have more very soon. The Backspin Interview. 
Thanks to Inside Golf. Peter Senior, welcome to Backspin. Thanks, guys. Nice to be on. Peter, I'm familiar with most of your career, as most Australian fans are. I was Googling you and come across Wikipedia and I started going through all your victories and I'm exhausted. I, I don't know where to start. 1979 was your first victory, the South Australian Open. 2015, this is on the regular tour, the uh, Australian Masters. Do you remember the first one, Peter? Take us back to 1979, the first victory. All I can remember of it was the last day I played with Bob Shaw and Roger Davis. I was one or two behind Roger and I walked onto the tee. I was only 19 years old and Roger introduced himself to me and I said, hi, Roger, thank you. Uh, good luck today. Bob Shaw walked onto the tee and I put my hand out to shake his hand and uh, Bob said, just keep out of my way today, son. Oh, fair dinkum. He was hard, wasn't he? And I ended up beating him. But, you know, the last few holes, all kept doing was looking at me. <laughs> just saying, what's this guy doing? He's beating me. He's not supposed to be doing that. Well, it was just a strange one to start with. Peter, you've had victories in the 70s, then the 80s, the 90s, uh, into the noughties, and now the, the 2000s and teens, as they call them. Do you ever stop and think about that many wins at, at such a high level over such a long period of time? What it is about you or your game or the way you think that's allowed you to do that? Yeah, very strange. Uh, Michael Clayton was going through the record books and he said, I'm probably one of the only guys, and he searches quite often, he said the only person to win in five different decades on a regular tour. So it's, uh, it's a pretty good milestone. As far as the golf, I just enjoy the game. I've always been competitive. I just snuck into the 79 was the, the win at the South Australian Open. So I only just snuck into that decade. But just the enjoyment of the game and just wanting to be competitive. Well, you were barely out of nappies in 1979, Pete. You know, give yourself a break, mate. Well, I got kicked out of school pretty early, so um, <laughs> yeah, I had to think... go and do something. So if I wasn't going to be good at golf, I don't know what I'd be doing. I think most golf pros could claim that, that same gig. Look, Peter, um, you played mostly in Europe and Japan and Australia. <laughs> That's a lot of places to mainly play in, but probably Europe was your main place to play overseas. And you won four times there, clearly a, a more dominant players in Europe. What about America? I mean, I asked this of Roger Davis once. He came up with the fact the money in Europe back then was um, equal, if not higher than it was in the US. Is that the reason why you didn't play much in America at your peak? No, it wasn't. I actually went to the player's school in 1985. They didn't really want us there. We were taking up a spot from Americans. Oh, okay. And it just got too much for us. We didn't enjoy it. So we went back to Europe where it was multicultural. There was a lot of different countries involved. I must say a lot different now in the US when nearly probably two-thirds of the tour now are just Americans and a third are foreign players. So they've really gone to more of a world tour in America now. Talking of the current playing in America and around the world, Peter, is there a, there's a group of young Aussies, obviously, that are making some inroads into the US and Europe. Have you spotted someone that you see as a potential next Peter Senior? Oh, geez, there's so many of them. Uh, we've got so many top amateurs coming mm. through at the moment as well. It's hard to say. You know, you've just got to put runs on the board before you can say that. We've had a lot of guys that look like they're going to be world beaters and have petered out after one or two years on the tour. So, um you know, uh, Cameron Smith, mm. all these guys, um, you know, they're, they're going to sort of take over from the, the Applebee's, the Allenby's. You know, there's going to be another another rush. It usually comes in groups. We've got two or three really good players over there at the moment. I guarantee in the next three or four years we'll have another group of good guys. What about the state of the game in general, Peter, in Australia in particular? What are your thoughts there? I feel it's pretty strong. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't got enough tournaments for the guys to be competitive over here. We've got a lot of young guys like Damian Jordan, a few on, around that group there that just haven't got the amount of tournaments to be competitive. And the only way they can do that is get on a tour, and that's probably the hardest thing to do now is actually get on a tour to play.
That's interesting. Cam Davis is another one that when we're just going back to Cameron Smith, Cam Davis just got his US tour card just yeah, at the last month. So, yeah, so he's, he's going to be a gun. He's going to be out to defend the Australian Open pretty soon. Are you playing? Now, I know you've retired, Peter, officially. I know this is a – it's always a funny question to be talking about. And I know you the million-dollar thing you were supposed to pay Grady, that, that sort of petered out, didn't it? But did you yep. take legal action? Yep. And, yeah, you found you found um, a good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think – I think Grays was just having a little bit of a mock-up with it. Absolutely. Well, well, because seniors bench are only three rounds, I thought I covered myself. I wasn't <laughs> expecting to play any more. For, I wasn't expecting to play any more four rounds. That was your out. That was it. <laughs> Golden. Well, I figured I covered myself because all the Champions Tour events are all three rounds. Speaking of Champions Tour, is a young guy called young senior called David McKenzie who's doing some great yep. things over there. Peter, have you, do you know much about David's game? Have you seen him play? Played um, with him? Yeah, David. David's been a really solid player. Uh, he went over last year and played pretty well. He's, he's running, I think, second this week. But the hardest thing on the Champions Tour over there is getting on it. Mm. Once you get on it, it's harder to get off it. As long as you're a solid sort of a player, they have their ten or fifteen really good players. But if you play reasonably good golf, you can keep your card nearly every year. So is it a fun tour to play, Peter? Probably the best tour I've ever played on. Oh, really? That's interesting. On the back of what you said earlier about the US Tour when you played it back in the eighties. Well, you know, you know, most of the guys on the on the Champions Tour are guys who have been successful at the game. The money is not a real issue for them. They're mm. there because they enjoy the game of golf, and I think that's what makes it really good over there. Well, I was just going to ask, is there anyone who you're playing with on that tour that you might have played with all those years ago and you've got a different perspective on the way they play or the person they are these days? Is, yeah, just... Hal Irwin was the best guy over there. Yeah, um, really? You know, but on the course, everybody said, oh, Hal Irwin, you know, he was a, you know, got quite upset on the golf course. But he took myself, my wife and the kids and sort of steered us in the right direction. And I thought from such a top-class player over the years to go to what he did, to do what he did for us on the Champions Tour was fantastic. This is a completely off that track. Like I said earlier, you've played all over the world. There's a place called Monte Carlo, most people are familiar with, and you played there once. When you play around the world like you would have done, you would have met a lot of people, a lot of famous people. This particular yep. occasion, you met one by accident. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, it was the first time that I was in Europe. It was 1984. I was playing the Monte Carlo Open. The course was built on top of a mountain way above Monte Carlo City itself. And the only way that they didn't allow cars to drive up there because they had a very small clubhouse but car park. So they had 10-seat transport buses going from the casino down there all the way up. Took about 35 minutes to get up to the course. I finished third in the tournament. Bernard Langer won, Seve ran second, and I ran third. I was sitting up on the podium with all these guys, and after the presentation, we all got to go down the hill, but there's only a certain amount of these buses. So I'm waiting in line, and a few of these cars started coming out of the back of the clubhouse, and they pulled up behind the buses, and uh, there was one guy sitting in a white car. I'm going to ask this guy whether I can get a lift down the hill with him. <laughs> so he finally got up close to me and uh, he had somebody walk beside him. And when he made eye contact, I said, hey, mate, I said, uh, any chance of a lift down the hill? And uh, he sort of looked at me and he goes, yeah, yeah, OK. So I go to get in his car and there was a black Mercedes Benz and a couple of doors open. A couple of really big guys got out and he sort of turned around and he waved and they got back in the car and he's still talking to this guy on the side of the road. So I'm just sitting there in this white sports car and all the people who were lined up for the buses are taking photos and they're pointing and I'm, I'm thinking, how good is this? I think it's the tournament. You know, and I'm, I'm going really well. So uh, anyway, off we go. And he turns around and he says, hi, Prince Albert. And I go, oh, yeah, mate. I said, yeah, mate, I'm the King of Spain. <laughs> 
say, all of a sudden it sort of hit me. The people are not looking at me. They're watching him. They're taking photos of him. He's got his bodyguards behind him. And I felt like the biggest deal in the world. So anyway, we get down to Monte Carlo and I'm going to cut it short because it's a fairly long sort of story. We get into the hotel that I'm staying at, the Mirabu Hotel, and there's about six or eight people standing at the front. And as soon as he drives into the courtyard, they're all nudging one another. Everybody knows his car. He drops me off. My caddy had already taken my clubs down earlier, so I got it. And I said, I'm really sorry about what I said. I said, but thanks for the lift down the hill. And he said, I hope to catch up next year. <laughs> so as he's driving out, I turn around and just yell out, I made sure he was out of earshot, so he didn't hear me. I said, thanks, Al. <laughs> and all these people are looking at me as if, oh, this guy must be important. But what Larry said, I've told this at a lot of dinners, and Terry Gale, who used to be our uh, chairman of the PGA, I tell you, I never believed it. Anyway, in 2001, Terry won the Monte Carlo Senior Open, and he's staying at the casino. They had the presentation at the casino. He won the tournament. Who's on his table? Prince Albert. And he said he sat there and he said all night, all he wanted to do was ask <laughs> Prince Albert whether this was true or not. Anyway, the dinner finished and the function finished and he got up. Prince Albert came over to her and said, congratulations, Terry, well done. And uh, he said, excuse me, sir, I have to ask you. He said, quite a while ago, he said there was another Australian guy. He said, um, do you know a guy named Peter Senior? And he said, oh, the King of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> so... So he said, I don't need to hear any more. It. it was just a funny occurrence. Gold. You have to be an Australian to get away with that, Peter, wouldn't you? Yep, true. Mate, thank you very much for your time. Looking forward to summer, no doubt. Another big summer of Australian golf coming up, and you'd be looking forward to it. I've just played the New South Wales Senior Open down in Albury. I'm on my way up to Sydney now to play the Australian PGA Seniors. Then a week off, then the Aussie Open at the Lakes. Good stuff. All right, Peter. Well, thank you for being on our show, and thank you for what you're doing for Australian golf. You're still out there playing three rounds, not four. But, yep. yeah, you're obviously you're promoting the game in Australia. You've been an adornment to the game in Australia, and thank you. Thanks, Larry. Thank you very much, Steve. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Pete. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Well, we've seen from the photos that Inside Golf editor Richard Fellner doesn't mind a bit of old school when it comes to golf gear. Uh, the plus fours, Larry, the flat caps. He likes to wander the streets doffing the cap and... I've seen him doff. Yep. ...greeting his fellow travellers with a hearty good day to you, sir. But you can't play golf, Larry, in a pair of Peaky Blinders boots, so Richard matches the old-school clothing with a pair of the very latest in golf shoes. In this case, the brand-new Jordan Spieth 2 shoes from Under Armour. He's wearing them right now. He's here to tell us more. Hello, Richard Fellner. Hey, man, how are you? That, what an intro. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Doesn't he go on and on? <laughs> Listen, this is Fellner time. I do the best I can with, with what I've got. But we digress, as per usual. Mate, you are in these shoes. They're brand new ones from Under Armour, the Jordan Spieth 2 shoes. Does Jordan actually have anything to do with them? Yeah, so he gave a lot of input um, into you know both the look and the, obviously the performance and the feel of the shoes. This is the Spieth 2 shoe, so it's got considerable upgrades from the original ones, and those were all based on, on Jordan's feedback. I'm looking at the shoe on uh, on my computer, Richard, and it's a very sexy golf shoe, and I can picture you in it, but I'm looking at the sole. There's something really significant about the sole and the spikes in this shoe, isn't there? That's right. They have some different spikes. They're these anti-rotational spikes. It's called uh, rotational resistance spikes. It's hard to explain uh, without looking at a picture of them, but on the outside of the, of the front of the foot and the inside of the heel, the spikes have kind of this rounded disc shape edge 
And what it does is it keeps the shoe from slipping and rotating when you take your swing. So especially in the follow through, this is really important for, you know, keeping your feet really grounded during the swing. And you, it kind of takes your mind off worrying, especially when it's wet, if your shoe's going to slip out from under you, as you know, a lot of us do. So it, it gives you the peace of mind that, you know, your feet are really going to stay firmly uh, planted in the ground. It's a serious thing, Richard. As you said, foot twisting is an issue. You, you occasionally see a professional on a tee, his foot does go from under him. He, he hooks it into the trees or something, looks straight at his shoe. The, the the amount of force being put into the golf swing these days, it is important. It's actually, a, it's a, it's an important issue. Wouldn't you agree? Well, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, sure, talking about shoes isn't all that exciting, especially when it comes to a gear review. But And shoes are often overlooked because, you know, they, they don't seem sexy enough. But really, the one thing that connects you to the ground, and it's really important to have that firm stance. You know, I mean, they always said the secret's in the dirt, and, you know, you really got to be connected to the ground. That's where you get your power from, as you know, from the ground up. So they're, they're really, really important, the, the shoes. I'm just having a look at uh, the underarmor.com.au website and looking at uh, the, these new uh, Spieth 2 golf shoes. The different photos of them, they've obviously got the photos from all different angles. I'm having a look at, at, at the photo of the sole. And it is incredible. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. And um, to give like a bit of an example, when I tested these the first time, it was a really, really wet and rainy typical Melbourne day. And I played them without any worry of, of my shoes uh, slipping at all. They really gripped in. And, you know, normally on a really wet, cold day, you know, that's the thing that can really get you unstuck. So they're, they're quite incredible. And, you know, the other thing about these shoes is that they're really, really comfortable. I mean, that's important because when you're walking, you know, 18 holes or, or more, you know, if your feet start to hurt, then it can really, you know, your game can get undone. So, you know, with these, whenever I do a shoe review, I'll usually play nine holes and then I'll swap and play nine holes in my other shoes or whatever, just so that I don't get blisters or, or whatever. But with these... Because it was raining so much, I said, well, you know, I'll just give them a go. And they were they were comfortable, like not a problem. And my feet stayed really dry. So they're, they've got like a 100% waterproof uh, guarantee for two years. And so they, they really lived up to that. Now, speaking of playing nine holes, 18 holes, uh, however many holes you want to play, you're actually doing something where you are, uh, are planning to play a lot of golf holes in one day. What's this all about? Yeah, that's right. You know, we're coming into November, and every year there's the Movember uh, promotion, so that's to benefit prostate cancer and men's health. And they have a challenge, you know, to walk 60 kilometers or, you know, to, you know, grow a mustache or whatever. And I figured, you know, maybe I'll do something a little bit different this year, and I'll try to play a marathon round of golf. So I'm going to take it on myself to uh, go out and play as many holes as I can in a day. You know, I'll start up from sunrise and go until I, you know, collapse from exhaustion. And I'll, I'll just keep playing, you know, potentially get through, you know, 50, 60, and hopefully 72 holes in a day. Ooh, um, you know, and I'll, I'm going to try to walk, you know, the whole thing or at least as many as I can. And, you know, the shoes like these, you know, will definitely like these uh, Under Armors will definitely be a help. But, you know, it's, it's probably not the, the feet that are going to give out. It's just probably my lack of fitness that will probably chew me in. But, you know, I'm going to give it my best shot. Are you doing this by yourself or you've got a group of mates going along? No, look, I've just um, started it up as myself. And, you know, I potentially will get, you know, a a mate or two to help with caddying or whatever I need. But we'll see. I think that if I get other people playing with me, it'll probably slow me down a little bit. And I'm going to try to, I'm a very quick player anyway. So I'd like to get as many holes as I can with, uh, with just myself or maybe one one or two mates as they as they can. Is there some sort of world record, Guinness Book of Records or something, Richard? Do you know? Yeah, but it is in no danger of being broken. Oh, really? Um, well, I know that the uh, 
they do the hundred hole hike every year. Um, and I can't remember what month that is, but I think it's like in the beginning of the year, January, February, where these guys will play, you know, 24 hours or they play through the dark or whatever. Um, oh, and okay. I'm sure that the world record is longer than that. So, you know, there's, it, it's pretty safe with, uh, where, where I'm concerned. And you got to be able to find your ball too, Richard. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's the other thing, you know, that I got to <laughs> see how many balls I have to take. <laughs> but we'll see. Cause I could go break the world record for lost balls in, uh, in a single day. So you're looking to raise a few dollars in doing this? Yeah, that's right. So I've set up a page through, um, through the Movember website and the details are on our website on insidegolf.com.au. But, uh, it's all, I'm all just looking for donations, just whatever anybody can spare, just because these are, you know, I've had a lot of friends that have been affected uh, by prostate cancer and, you know, a lot of friends as well that have suffered from depression. I mean, there's probably a lot that I don't even know about because, you know, it's a really hard thing for a lot of people to admit. But for all of those people, I want to just do what little bit I can and raise some money for Movember, which I believe is a really, really good cause. Mate, flat caps off to you. That's what I say. I think it's admirable, a very admirable thing to do. Movember is a great initiative and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But it's even better when people like you think about ways that they can contribute and bring awareness to what Movember is all about and uh, have a bit of fun at the same time. Well, thank you. Yeah, let's, um, you know, we'll, we'll just what little bit I can do. You know, that's, that's the least I can do. Well, we will encourage the uh, the Backspin family to get to insidegolf.com.au to the webpage and uh, there's all the information about how they can support you in your endeavours because you like the uh, the fun uncle of the, the Backspin family. You do know that, don't you, Richard? Uncle Richard. Well, I, I guess uncle if, if, if I'm the fun uncle, then Larry would be the weird uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to say, when I'm editor, Richard, this is, this is all yeah. turned around. You realise that, don't you? It's coming. I don't think there's any real worry or concern about you ever being the editor, mate. <laughs> never say never. Good on you, mate. Richard, thank you for your time. Best wishes with it, mate. And obviously, you'll report back into us after the event and tell us how those uh, the Under Armors went and how you went and how many holes you got through. Absolutely. Will do, boys. Good, Good on, on you, mate. Richard. Thanks, mate. All right. Thanks, guys. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Time for a bit of a tip on Backspin. Larry, this week, talking about your feet. Yeah, the footwork required to hit a, a nice golf shot, Stephen. Now, sometimes us golfers tend to swing, feel like we have to stand as still as we can and just rotate on the one spot just to make solid contact. But you definitely need to move your weight from one shoe to the other. And it's the timing of that that creates the power. Now, once you've made a backswing, that 75% of your weight should be on your right shoe if you've made a correct backswing. And, and most of us, I think the easiest part of a golf swing is the backswing, isn't it? Because you're not hitting anything. But when you make the downswing, the first move you have to make is to your left shoe. All your weight's got to go onto your left shoe, so you rotate onto your left side. Everything else comes in after, along for the ride. If you don't do that, the club will come out over the top of the golf ball and you'll hit the outside of the ball and hit a big slice or a pull, as we saw on uh, the video of Cody Gam, didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> so, a one, Mr. one hand, one bounce. A good drill for this, Steve, is to grab a golf ball and just throw it down the practice range. Sometimes you throw a club, and I've seen you do that, which is also a very good exercise. But when you do that, you'll notice that your weight goes under your front shoe before you release the ball. It's just a natural movement. It's what everyone does naturally. If you're hitting something, you're hit throwing a punch. It's the same thing. Your, your weight will go onto your front shoe, then you'll let go of the punch. Just have that weight moving onto the front shoe, release the, the rest of your body, and then the arms come out. The, the, the last thing that actually gets to the golf ball is the, the golf club. Is it the most important thing in the golf swing? Oh, it's power, yes. Yeah. And it also keeps the club on path, Steve. If, if, you, if your club gets to the golf ball before your weight, it's got to come this way. It's got to come from the outside. Yep. 
when I say this way, that's that's not actually radio talk, is it, Steve? That's more TV talk. I um, understood what you were saying, and hopefully the listeners can imagine a bit of theatre of the mind. Larry was just throwing his arms around wildly in the air. That's what he's talking about. But uh, Take a step and hit it's another one, Steve. Take a step and hit the ball. So just step back away from the ball, take a step forward and smash it. Now, you might miss it, you might hit it. If you get no contact, it'll go miles. Yeah, so that's, um, yeah, weight onto your front shoe first. Let everything else come after it. Think about your feet. Think about where the weight is on those feet and practice. Practice makes perfect. Throw a ball down the range, Stevie. Throw a ball down the range. Yeah. Now, uh, spit. Well, it's not really a spit. Well, you said that earlier, but I think it's going to be. I'm a bit confused You're, crank- you're a bit it. cranky today. Well, too. I'm kind of confused with that. We just had a, recently we had the Western Australian Open played, a, a purse of $100,000. So nice money, good money for the winner. And there was some, oh, something like 20 amateurs in the field to start with. Uh, it was fought out by three players, Zach Murray, um, and a Western Australian amateur, I believe he's Western Australian, uh, David, David Michaluzzi, who's from Victoria, and Matthew Miller, who's a professional, a seasoned campaigning professional. Actually, Zach Murray's from Victoria as well. Sorry, Zach. So the three of them were fighting out this golf tournament, but being having two amateurs leading uh, up that close, they were clearly playing more aggressively because they have nothing to lose. Towards the last few holes, the last five or six holes of that round, I checked the scores and there wasn't anything in it. And when I looked at the scores at the end of the tournament, they'd both left Matt Miller in their dust, virtually. I mean, there's Matty shooting a beautiful round of 67. But my point is with the, with the professional versus amateur thing is Matt's playing for the money. So with Matt uh, three shots ahead of the next professional, he played that last uh, five or six holes in even par just to keep his position so he gets the money, gets first prize check. He's not concerned about the cup. He's got enough cups. He wants the money. Whereas the two amateurs don't get any money. They're playing for the cup. Their last five holes, there's uh, David's. Where he was two under the, the last five. And I think Zach was three under the last, um, uh, two under the last five as well. So they, they were playing more aggressively, having a crack. They wanted to win that cup. Matt's just, he, he throttled back, just played, as, as he, he's very good at playing consistent golf, one first prize check of sixteen dollars or $17,000 and goes home and, and banks it. He's as happy as Larry. But how happy is Larry? So the last few holes, Matt wasn't concerned about winning at all. The other two guys so just going So what's your point? It. Well, when amateurs are playing against professionals, amateurs don't have that same, they're not playing for their mortgage. You know, they're not playing for anything. They're playing for a cup, and if they win, great. So they'll just throw everything at it. Whereas the professionals don't play that way. And and this is a classic example of how a professional played to win the money. The amateurs didn't. They played to win the, the tournament. And and what's wrong with that, in oh, your well, opinion? I, so I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong, but it's just weird to me. It's strange that Matt Miller could have easily won this tournament had he have needed to. So when you say these guys won, did they? Did they? Sort of thing. Do you know okay, what I, mean? I see your point now. That he, as you say, he he, he played. You know, he probably pulled the throttle back. Oh, a absolutely, because he he would all he was looking at was the next professional on that leaders board, and, and probably fought a bit of temptation to stay with absolutely. those boys. He just would have been fairways and greens, two parts par. I'll, I'm going to win the money. Doesn't matter. Let these other guys fight out the title. So was there a real winner of this event? And and, and if there is another golf tournament, where's there's an amateur winning it. Is it is it a fair win? I'm not in any way knocking these two players. They're fantastic players, and a lot of brilliant young Australian players have come through this same system. They've won as amateurs. Curtis Luck won the Northern Territory PGA or Northern Territory Open, I think. He's now playing on the no, sorry, it's Travis Smythe. He's playing as a professional. Curtis Luck, I think, won somewhere Western Australia. He's now playing as a professional on the US tour. Mm. So they come through this. This is a great path for them to come through. But I just it's just weird for me that they, you know. Is there a way to separate it though? I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know what the answer is to it, but I, I know it's weird, and I know that the, the professional are definitely not worried if they get beaten by an amateur. They don't care. Yeah. Okay. 
Right. What do I make of it? I don't know. Is there? Do we change anything? I don't know. You know, I've been a professional since I was sixteen, so I've never had an amateur career as such. So I don't quite understand it. All right, but you've got it off your chest. <coughs> yes. You're feeling better. I feel a lot better, Steve. Let's go and watch. I don't that. think anyone's going to take offence to what to that, are they? Because I don't want anyone to think that I'm knocking these two great amateur players. Yeah. No, but you, you're making a point. Maybe yeah, we okay. should call it Larry's point of the week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go and watch that video of Chubbs the Alligator again. <laughs> He's a unit. That'll get you back on track. Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Thank for, you, Stephen. Thanks for another great point of the week with Larry Canning. Uh, that's Backspin this time round. We will be back uh, very soon, probably talk a bit of Australian Open. We mm. might get Robin Cooper back from uh, the, oh, yes. uh, the World Cup of Golf. We love Robin. We haven't spoken with her for a couple of weeks, so we should get her back on next time She's as well. She's great, fun, Robin. Let's make a point of doing that. But in the meantime, good golfing and talk to you soon. Bye, kids.